All right, friends, we are back for another episode of Make Friends Radio. Uh, This is episode 32, and I am joined by a very special guest, the owner and executive chef of one of Sacramento's best uh, restaurants, Localis. This is my new friend, Chris Barnum, and if you could just take a moment to introduce yourself. Yes. Well, uh, welcome friends, and making friends and make friends, I think, is rad. And uh, at the restaurant here that we we operate, Localis on 21st and S., uh, we feed people what we think is fantastic tasting food that uh, is fun to look at and interesting to smell and see and everything else and uh, try to make friends every night cooking food. Absolutely. I came in here a little bit shocked. Uh, you know, it was well after closing and uh, I walked up and I was like, are they still letting people come? It was damn near 10 o'clock and the place was full to the brim with people. Uh, so, love it, yeah, <laughs> love it, yeah. Big ups on the success, my friend. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's feast or famine, though. So I always remember that. You know, it's packed tonight. It could be empty tomorrow. That's just how the restaurant biz is. So well, from my perspective, it's, yeah, it's, it's busy. It's yeah, the busiest restaurant <laughs> in town. Um, so let's let's start with kind of the the origins of of Mr. Chris here. I understand that you weren't always a chef. You know, it started Definitely off as not, a, yeah. a master electrician. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Journeyman, I, also, I think, is the right is the right words. Okay. Journeyman electrician, yeah. And I also saw that you were a musician. So True. Can you tell us about the transition from kind of the electrician, musician, yeah. into successful chef? Of course. Um, so I do think I got to tie in. I grew up in Forest Hill. Okay. A very small little mountain community um, with a mom that knew how to cook really well and made very tasty food. Um, not like a fine chef by any means or anything, you know, outside of the context of like incredible fried chicken, mashed potatoes, you know, like all those things that you want to eat a lot. Um, and grew up on a small plot of land up there that had a lot of different vegetables and, you know, things growing on it. And it's so important to say that because as I got older, I realized where my style of cooking came from. And I didn't realize that until I was in an interview just Mm -hmm. like this, where I said something and I stopped and the guy was like, is everything all right? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but I just remember why I, why I do what I do. But I grew up in a tiny town, always dreamed about getting the hell out. So I moved out of my house at 17. Um, I needed work. I was working at a music store and it wasn't cutting, wasn't cutting it. And, uh, so I worked for a guy doing houses. I, uh, I was helping him wire things and I had wired up a closet light. And I remember the second I turned it on after I wired it and it worked and I was like, holy shit, that is <laughs> fucking cool. Right? Like I literally just like made light. That is so neat. So I, I went to be an electrician from that point on, uh, really loved it for a long time and, uh, made very, very good money. I was super successful at it. And, uh, during that time, uh, when I was 16, I joined a death metal band and had been playing very seriously, you know, really practicing a lot and playing a lot of shows. Natural progression. Yeah, totally. Right. And, uh, so the really good money of the electrical work, uh, helped me take the band further than I think it could have based on talent alone. Uh, cause I don't think we were a great band or anything. Um, but you know, we played some cool tunes and, uh, got a little success and signed to a label and, uh, did some tours in different parts uh, of the U S and outside of the U S and, uh, that's really where my exposure to food happened. Um, on my first U.S. tour, I remember every city that blew my mind with food. And I actually did a tasting menu later at Localis that was that story, you know, of those dishes in my eyes. That's a cool concept. Yeah. And uh, 
So, you know, I made a lot of money being an electrician so I could fund buying a van and, you know, the merch and, you know, taking time off to go tour and do all that kind of stuff and really pushed at it for quite a while before uh, a realization that I was not going to make it as a musician. That was not going to happen. <laughs> and uh, I had to rethink what I wanted to do because at that point in time, I had cut the knuckle off of my hand with a skill saw. And uh, that kind of put me out of commission for like six months uh, of electrical work. And I just didn't want to go back, you know, at all. I wasn't interested in going back to being an electrician. I felt like I had done what I could do and I was doing the same thing every day, you know, no matter what different job site or where it was. And I just was tired. And um, my wife or my girlfriend at the time put a kibosh and was dead serious. She's like, you need to do something different. This isn't working. So I sat down on my bed uh, after a shower and a TV came on, a TV commercial came on for uh, the Art Institute. And it was like, you know, cooking and like, hey, learn how to cook and be a chef. And at that point in time, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> I love food and I'm going to go do this. So I literally went down and enrolled that next day um, and went through school, got hired at a little uh, sushi restaurant in Auburn called Hapa Sushi first day like the story sounds like some bullshit out of a movie but I swear to you word for word is true I walk in I was like hey I want a job I don't know how to cook but I'm willing to learn I'm going to culinary school he's like you're going to culinary school like okay you got a job and I'm like oh shit that's <laughs> cool you know like and uh, he asked if I had non-slip shoes I said no I walked literally next door to Payless Shoe Source got some non-slips came back went to work and I remember within like the first hour I was like I love this holy shit this is cool and um, like two hours in, we'd only done like four orders. And Rich, the owner, was like, you know, I'm out, man, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you could take over. And I'm like, whoa, like, I've never been in a kitchen before. Like, this is, I told him, I was like, dude, I've never done this. And he's just like, oh, you're fine. And of course, man, like we got hit. And uh, getting hit at the, that the old Hoppe uh, was like 20 people. So it wasn't yeah. like crazy, but I didn't fuck anything up super bad. And uh, I was hooked. I mean, that was literally it for me. And fast progression, six years later, I opened Localis. Very cool. So that's kind of where we're at. And here we are actually at Localis. At Localis, yeah, yeah in sure. my office. So <clears throat> it's probably the, the lame question of, of the interview here, but like as you become you know, involved in the, the chef community, has there been anyone who's been a major influence on you? Um, any chefs that have kind of been an inspiration for sure. Um, I took a job at 1022 and I had to like aggressively get that job. Like they did not want to hire me. And I was like, no, you need to hire me. Like <laughs> I had to work at it. I went into dinner and was like, I want to speak to the chef. And uh, he comes out and, you know, it's my wife and I, and I'm like, the food here is really good. And I want to work somewhere like this. And he's just like, well, do you have five years experience? I'm like, no. He's like, well, you can't work here then. And I was like, give me a, give me an opportunity. I promise you, I'll prove that I can cook here. And uh, long story short, you know, I got a job. I moved up the ranks pretty fast there. I worked under a guy named Seth Lassick. He's in uh, Ohio right now, mm -hmm. um, killing it, like, as a chef. Like, he's murdering it. He's getting chef of the state. And, like, his, uh, his restaurant, I think it's Wolf Ridge Brewing or Wolf's Head Brewing. Um, tons of press. I mean, like, he's getting so much love for his food. And it's so cool to see that happen because I learned a lot from Seth. He was a very serious chef that really cared about his food. And uh, that kind of showed me the dedication. You know, he wasn't a drinker. I mean, he drank, sure. but I mean, he wasn't like getting shit faced and like doing all this crazy drugs. Like he was dedicated to his mission of learning how to be a great chef. And uh, I learned a lot from him. I also got a ton of inspiration from Billy No at Crew. Um, 
you know, a long time ago before I even opened Localis. Uh, I had talked to him and, you know, expressed concerns and everything and did all the unprofessional shit of like talking about your business, what you shouldn't do, you know. And uh, even still, (laughs) he had some really, really kind words for me. Um, and some things where he was just like, kind of told me his business style and the way that you have to make a name for yourself first, you know, Mm. get people to trust you, like put the work in and then open up other things after that, you know? And he told me to stick with Localis when I was about to bounce, um, because of the previous ownership. Mm. And, uh, he told me to stick with it and he told me to, you know, to continue doing what I was doing and don't try to do anything more until I like really hone in on what it is. So that really kind of resonated with me. I'll always remember that. Um, and other than that, you know, a couple chefs at stages here and there, um, Alex Jackson, who used to be at sons and daughters, incredible. Um, Gabriel Velasquez also sons and daughters, incredible chef learned a lot in the three days I worked with him. Um, but yeah, for those two are like in my career right now, kind of a big deal to me. Awesome. It's always great to have people that you can look up to or that, uh, you can point to a period in your life where you said, man, that person really helped me like step over that, that funk I was in. So obviously it led to the success of, of Localis. So if you could, how do you describe the food at Localis? What is the, you know, what are the buzzwords? What, yeah. if, if you're trying to convince one of the listeners to come check it out, what do you call it? Well, um, I actually think that's a huge flaw in my business plan. Um, was the fact that it's so hard to fucking explain the food at Localis, which makes it hard to sell because mm. people are like, what is it? And uh, I actually just had a conversation yesterday with Paul from uh, Sacta Mofo, who does all like the big food truck stuff. Yep. Intelligent guy, great palate, grew up in Spain. Um, and uh, <laughs> we were just talking about like, I want to do a food truck with one of my brands. And uh, he's like, it has to be fucking basic, like burger, taco, this. And I'm like, but I don't do that kind of food. He's like, well, do your kind of food and then say something like taco, burger, (laughs) you know, like whatever it is. Um, So I didn't do that with Localis. But what I can say is that um, this is food with a story. Uh, I love food. Like I seriously love to eat food. Um, That's where learning how to be a chef even came about it was nothing more than just i fucking loved food and i wanted to learn how to cook that shit yeah um so i guess uh it just kind of got to the point where we were going to uh i don't know what we're talking about anymore (laughs) no the uh how you would describe your food (laughs) oh yeah that's right (laughs) uh it's that boring i even lost track of of what was talking i will say this though you don't have to really say anything because I think the reviews speak for themselves. Yeah. I think everybody should just do a Google search right now of uh, Localis, and you'll see that it's rated, you know, five, uh, four point eight on a scale of of, of five and four point nine on a scale of five. So, I mean, the, everyone has just incredible stuff to say about uh, just the food in general. Yeah, and I I think that comes from an incredible amount of hard work. Um, yep. You really got to dedicate if you're going to do a story. When I opened Localis, everyone told me not to. Um, there was no one really in my corner, um, you know, just people that were telling me it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Sorry, they told me you left. What do you want me to do for B6? Um, just doing a take quick three. inventory here as he talks with the staff. So, uh, appreciate the, uh, just and, uh, quick lull here for a second. Sorry about that. No worries at all. Absolutely. um, Yeah, everyone called me crazy, said don't do it. Um, I wanted to do Localis. I've had that vision since my very first uh, day in culinary school where they tell you to 
that you're going to do this project throughout your however many years there, and at the end you're going to create your own restaurant, and it has to be like everything. You got to envision everything, mm-hmm. including the business side of it, the labor cost, all those yep. things. And uh, Localis was my project from the beginning, and uh, I wanted to open that restaurant. And uh, I think that when someone fights that hard for it, uh, and we'll get into you know the business and all that later, but you know a lot of struggle, a lot of you know intense, you know hard times all pay off to be what I think is a, uh, an experience, not just a dinner. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't really ever want to be a substance kind of chef, you know, where I'm just feeding the masses what yep. they want to eat. Um, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we obviously need that, but I, I don't want to do food just for the sake of food. It should be art. Do we um, really need Applebee's though? Yeah. Okay. We do, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of basic bitches out there, you know, yeah. and in certain ways I'm a basic bitch, you know, but not with food. Um, but yeah, I, I think the food here is very ingredient driven. We really think about the ingredient when we think about the food. Mm-hmm. It always has to start there. We taste everything, you know, carrots get sent back, whatever gets sent back, you know, not because we're hoity-toity or whatever, but because it's not the best, you know, and we live in this area that has everything that's the best as far as, yep. you know, produce goes. So uh, I'd say ingredient based and, uh, and passion driven because everything we do has a purpose and everything that we're cooking here comes from... You know, something that we we feel about, there's emotion about, which makes it a fucker of a kitchen to work in because um, there's a lot of emotional people mm-hmm. in there. Obviously, the biggest emotional person being myself. Um, so, yeah, it's it's ingredient driven and uh, created with passion. Well, I think that's paid off, though, right? Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I did a little bit of research coming in here and uh, I think you had a, a, a mention by a very... A prestigious organization. So, yes. I mean, if you could uh, <laughs> clue us in on how that came apart. <laughs> I, I can. And, uh, you know, people have a lot of opinions about me. I'm one of those people that draws a lot of opinions, but I don't really care. I'll say it. I I, uh, I brag now about that. Because to me, you know, it's like it's when I was in a band. And when people were like talking and they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm in a band. And they, they think instantly like garage band, right? Like, yeah. and I'm telling them like, no, I've played like in different countries and I've gone on tour and I released albums and I recorded with other artists. Like I'm actually in a real band. And what do you validify that with other than like pulling out your phone and being like, check out my band. You know what I mean? Here's a picture of me in Germany. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the same time with, with cooking, you know, and with this, like, to be in the Michelin Guide, and, and, and you know, don't get me wrong, dude, I was butt hurt when I didn't get a star. I mean, seriously butt hurt. But at the same time, I didn't. It didn't defeat me. I wasn't upset because I got, you know, didn't get a star, or, or I should have deserved one. I just thought we got to get better. Like right yep. now, we got to start fucking working today and get better. Um, and we've done that. You know, like we listen. We know what's at stake. But yep. it's. Uh, it's something now where people, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a chef. And they're like, oh, where do you work? And I'm like, well, I own Localis because I don't like, unless I'm out in bars, which I love to tell people I'm the dishwasher and then listen to them talk shit about me. That's <laughs> happened. We'll talk later, but that has happened. Um, but I think it's like, uh, it's, it's something special. Hell yeah, man. Uh, and for those of you who aren't aware, Michelin is like the, the, the guide of all guides to, yeah. to restaurants. I mean, you see the superstar chefs like Gordon Ramsay of Michelin stars, so our new friend Chris here is uh, rated within that same... It's a plate. Yep. Yep. So that's a restaurant that they consider very good food, um, good cookery, uh, but not quite at the level of a, of a Michelin star, which, you know, in their book means that if you're driving somewhere and it's, you know, you can stop off and eat, that you should. 
Yeah. And then two stars means you should take a small detour. And then three stars mean you should make a special trip to go. Yeah. So um, I like to always put it in reference like that because that's what the book started like. And I kind of enjoy that that feeling about it. Yeah, like I mean, it's, how, it's how far brand. am I willing to travel <laughs> to like get to these three stars? You yeah, know? absolutely. And the, the answer is fucking anywhere on earth. So just think about how cool that is. In our, in our city, though, we have, uh, you know, one of the most prestigious kind of ranking systems that thinks that uh, yeah, Localis and, I mean, is... And we started out with a star, you yeah. know? Kelly over at the kitchen got a, a Michelin star. That's just, it's incredible, you know, for Sacramento, for restaurants, for chefs. Like, it's just amazing. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this year. I, I, have a, I have a good feeling about this year. So let's imagine I'm a, a Michelin kind of professional and I'm coming okay. to check your meal out. Yep. What is the one thing that I need to try on the menu that is going to wow me? Well, I mean, you can always go with octopus. I think that's our thing. Um, it started as my thing. And yet another very unpopular opinion that I don't mind putting out there is uh, when I, when we first came here, uh, I put octopus on the menu. And there had been it on other menus, you know, throughout sure. Sacramento, but it wasn't currently on any menus. It wasn't like a thing that everyone had. And nowadays, you know, five years later of our octopus becoming the reason that a lot of people came to Localis in the first place, um, everyone's got octopus on the menu, you know, and I keep talking to Wynn at Sunfish and saying he owes me commission on all the sales of Spanish octopus going yeah. out to all these restaurants. But that, and, uh, other than that, we just tell people to do the tasty menu. That's where we're going. I might have to challenge you to change my opinion on octopus. Yeah. Man. I'm so down for that challenge. You, you might have to, cause I've, I've tried it and I, it's unpopular opinion probably, but I just, I can't for some reason. Yeah. So I know uh, Sacramento is definitely one of those cities that has seasons, unlike, uh, you know, a number of other cities around the, the, the continent, or I guess the, the country, I should say. What is kind of our seasonal favorites as we go into summer, as we go into the fall, spring, all these things? What, what are the items that stand out during those time periods for you? Well, it's not called Sack of Tomatoes for nothing. Um, <laughs> the world's best tomatoes happen here in Sacramento. Um, we, uh, we always wait until we feel like everything is beautiful and ripe, which means that we have a shorter window to use those tomatoes, mm-hmm. but it's worth it, you know, to not use them a day too early. Um, so tomatoes for sure in summertime. Um, I love the herbs in summertime, uh, super fresh and just amazing. Then you go into spring, uh, it's all about onions, um, all the spring onions, you know, green onions, spring garlic, all of those beautiful things all happen right then and there. Asparagus, uh, sea of green, you know, it's mm-hmm. all about those fresh green flavors. So that's always what I look forward to. As you get into fall, you know, butternut squash comes to mind right away. Um, different kinds of squashes. You really start seeing what I think are the best of the beets and the best of the carrots. Um, I think the carrots thrive really when it gets, you know, a little cold outside, uh, but still warm days. Um, and then as you get into winter, you know, which a lot of people don't like cooking in because they say it's boring, um, you know, the great root vegetables, you know, the parsnips that, you know, will happen into the winter, um, you know, celery roots um, that, ha- that like to happen before it super freezes. Um, definitely like the, the spicy greens, you know, the, the mm-hmm. brazers, the mustard greens and all those. And then broccoli, like broccoli happens. It's so good. Uh, apples happen, you know, like they're, they happen in fall, but then they carry through until it starts, you know, freezing too hard up there. So those are kind of like the, the things I look forward to the most every year. Very cool. And uh, I think at this moment, it has never been more clear how little I know about food. (laughs) 
I think all of us know very little about food. I mean, I I would say that I uh, I've made it my life's work to learn about food, mm-hmm. and I still don't think I know very much about food. Um, but yeah, you you got to get real serious about eating, you know. Dude, I I do nothing but watch cooking shows at home, and I literally probably could not cut an onion properly if I tried. It's all about a uh, knife in hand, though, right? It's all about, you know, it's just like uh, turntables. You know, you can't learn those any other way than putting your fingers on a turntable, you know? So it's the same thing. You just got to you gotta work the muscles. You got to get that muscle and uh, and get to using it, you know? Start start cutting more onions. Come in and work at Localis for a couple hours, and we'll show you how to chop onions. Look at that damn correlation. He just brought the whole DJ That's thing. That's right, dude. <laughs> so deep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, obviously, with the success of Localis, there's other ventures that are on... The horizon. Yep. What do you got going on? I know that there's another. Did, uh, did we mention East Sacramento? I don't. Yeah. Really, yeah. No, so we please, haven't yet. Yeah. Please tell us. So, um, Localis is moving to three eight one five J Street. Uh, it used to be a Starbucks for a long time. Um, it's owned uh, by a family that built the building. So this one is closing. Nope. Oh. Nope. I mean, so Localis moving, so. is closing, but a restaurant will be open here. Gotcha. And it'll be. It'll be my concept. Um, so that's going to be you know, Localis. And I'd love to kind of talk you through, you know, what it's going to be like versus this place. I'm here. Um, so it's a much taller ceiling. Uh, it's a bigger room. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still going to have the open kitchen. You're still going to have every single seat in the restaurant available to see the kitchen and me see them. I think that's important too. As, as I walked in, it's it's so inviting to see everybody engaged. You've got the, the patrons at the bar making jokes with the people that are cooking amazing looking food directly in front of them. So yeah, and that's what that's what Localis really is about to me, you know. And not every night gets to be like that, dude. We have a lot of rough nights here um, because when you when you're doing super passionate, super emotional, you know, artistic this and that. I mean, think about it. Those personalities are hard to deal with, you know. And and you get your feelings hurt, you know. If you have a bad night, like it kills me. And now I think about it in a financial way too, which is like a double whammy because I'm like, not only did we, you know, fuck up a bunch of people's experience tonight, which I would be pissed if my experience was ruined at a restaurant like Localis, yeah. you know, with the promise of the menu and the promise of the wine pairings and it looks so good and then it turns out to be shit. Like that's a bummer night, you know, yep. so I don't want to do that. Uh, but when the nights are good, it feels so good. I think that's the high and low of Localis that employees have a hard time with. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a high low guy. I don't really do a lot of mids. Um, you know, and I try to do what I can to temper those and, and make it work for a managerial role. Um, but it's hard, you know, I'm a human being and I'm an artist and sure. I get, I get re- really emotional really fast. And that's just kind of the way that it is for me. So, you know, it's uh, so you walk in big, tall ceilings, kitchen right in front of you. I still get to say, what's up? How are you? Like, welcome in. But then when you look to your uh, right hand side, you'll have this big, beautiful bar. Um, it's all old brick um, from the 40s when the place was built. Very nice. So it's just going to be like big blocky wood shelving with all the bottles lit on the original brick. And then you'll have a wood fire oven. You'll have a big cooking line. You'll have a garmage station. You'll have me facing the opposite way along the, the plating line where the guests are sitting watching into the kitchen. Uh, two bathrooms instead of one, which is a big fucking deal. <laughs> Not because of the guest having an issue getting into the bathroom, which sucks, you know, and I want that to be fixed too. But we don't get to serve food to a table unless everyone's sitting. 
So yep. if there's a five person line in the kitchen, that's five tables that we cannot serve food to. Mm-hmm. And that costs me a lot of money to back those plates out and redo them or unplate and then replate. It messes up my timing. Like it's brutal, you know? So to have that go away and have us be able to watch. And since at the new Localis, I can see every single guest. At this Localis, I lose huge parts of the dining room that I can't see. So now I'll be able to judge better when to send food to a table. Sure. Um, so then you look to the back and everything's beautiful. Giant wine cellar on your left, um, floor to ceiling glass, uh, you know, beautiful storage that my dad's going to weld with me. I've been learning how to weld lately. Um, so we're going to do that project together. And then, uh, you know, back kitchen and a walk-in, which is crazy because here we just run out of two-door regions. That's Mm -hmm. it. We have no walk-ins. We have no prep space. We just have the one kitchen that everyone sees. So it's kind of gnarly when things go wrong. Um, and then on the back side, there'll be a private dining space. Uh, it's going to be called a different name. It won't be Localis's private space, um, but that's where the food will come from. And uh, we don't want to close down our restaurant very often. So we deny a lot of people uh, the opportunity to like do their events at Localis. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of thought we would love to be able to do that without it hurting the people that want to come and dine on our food, you know. So that's over there. Um, here is going to become Sacasta. Uh, I think it's exactly what the neighborhood wants around here and what I think will be uh, very successful as well. I mean, we've been very successful here. I just think we've outgrown the space. Mm-hmm. Um, there's less seats at the new Localis. Everyone thinks we're going to this bigger building and we're going to have a bunch more seats. Uh, but there's four less seats at the new Localis. So we're definitely going for quality, not quantity. I'm not, sure. I'm not concerned about fitting more people in the door. I just want to make sure that the people that do come in the door are Got getting the, the best that we can get. The right priorities. Period, yeah. Um, this is uh, three giant communal tables, um, no reservations. You walk in, you got to sit next to people that you don't know. Love it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna force the issue. We're actually gonna have people be like, hey, if you're taking up four seats, you know, with two people, we're gonna ask you like, hey, could you guys move over? We got some people coming in. You know, like here's so and so and so and so. You know, they're gonna hang out with you. Now you're friends. Yeah, and that's concept. what we want to do. You know, and the there'll be like 10 pinchos which are like two to three bites each Mm -hmm. from three to eight dollars and then there'll be like 12 tapas which are like five to ten bites those will be like eight to fifteen at the most and then a couple large plates that can be shared between you know groups of people and uh low abv cocktails so you can have a couple and not get like shit-faced i'm not a big drinker so for me like it sucks that i can only have one cocktail before i have to go home Mm -hmm. i'd love to be able to have three and have it be the same effect but the flavor is you know amazing Great wine list, and you come in, you sit down, everything's on the table that you need to eat. A server comes up, asks what you want to drink and eat. You put in your order. You can't time it out. You can't say, I want this and that and that at this time. You just order what you want to order, and it comes out when it comes out. And it's a true Pincho style. I love San Sebastian, Spain. It's my favorite city in the entire world. Uh, I will, you know, live there one day. That's going to happen. And uh, the, the cuisine is so good everywhere you go. And the ciders are so good everywhere you go. And I sat down. I don't talk any Basque. And uh, these guys were so cool. And we're sitting at this table together. And they pour me some cider. And then I ordered some food really awkwardly because I didn't know how to speak anything. But I was just like, you know, these, you know, or whatever. I didn't have any other thing to say. And they brought it all out. The dude reaches right into my food and grabs some. And it didn't offend me. In America, that would, like, offend me. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, don't touch my shit, dude. Sure. Like, what the hell? But there I could tell, like, I just shared your, my cider with you. Like, we're sharing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you order for the table. And I'm like, man, this is fucking cool. Like, I love this. And I just hung in there. Even though I couldn't speak the language, like, we communicated. 
and we became friends and I took pictures with them and I brought that back and I'm like, I want to bring that to Sacramento. And I also want to have a fucking standard menu. I love changing the menu at Localis because I get bored really fast as an artist. You don't ever want to play the same song. You don't want to paint the same picture. Like you want to do different stuff. Um, but man, does it suck to like finally get something honed in and, and perfect. And then you change, change it. Yep. And it's the high and low of Localis. You know, it, it becomes a running theme. Localis is highs and lows. It's, you have to be able to stand that to work here. Um, but yeah, at Sacosta, it's just going to be fun, man. And just come in and sit with people and eat a bunch of food, uh, open 11 to 10 every night that, or every day that we're open. So there's no weird closed hours. There's no change in different days. Like it just, those are the hours come and eat. Yeah. I think that's a uh, good for this setting. As you mentioned, I used to live, uh, actually not far from temple right down the street. Yeah. So this whole area is just looking for that social setting. I mean, right now it's, uh, Localis and the round corner. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> the round corner, man. Both serve food. Technically. Yeah. And you know what? You'll find me at Round Corner eating eating those tacos, you know, or eating those... Uh, Real cheese. Dude, I mean, they cook some damn good food down there, so it's cool. And it's nice to have a, a spot where you can just walk and, and do that, you know? Hell yeah. That's, I love my little spot here. That's why we're not leaving. I'd, I'd never want to leave this spot. So, as it relates to... I got to gotta say goodbye. That's all good. Very close personal friends. Popular dude. People don't stop you and talk to you if your food's not good. Well, we're a small restaurant, and, like, those guys have been coming for a long time. Um, I would say they've been to most every month for a tasty menu in the Mm -hmm. past, like, three years. Uh, My wife and I went to Mexico City with them. Oh, very cool. Um, (laughs) They were shooting the shit, and they're like, oh, we're going to Mexico City. I'm like, man, I really want to go there lately. And they're like, oh, we're going on these dates. You know, you should meet us. And they laughed, and I was like, okay, cool. And they were like, yeah, ha, ha, And a couple weeks later, I call them up, and I'm like, so, like, we got our spot. Like, how far away are we from you guys? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, you said meet in Mexico City, so like we'll be there in like two days, right? They're like, damn, dude, we didn't know. We didn't know you were gonna take us seriously. We're just being polite. Yeah, and we had the <laughs> funnest time, man. And they're just really good people, and uh, I fucking love that about Localis. That's why I never want to do like another style of restaurant like this. It's not personal, you know. Like mm-hmm. a chef should do his own restaurant or her own restaurant. Yep. I really feel we need to inspire more chefs that are talented and that know business to get out there and open their restaurant. You know, you don't have to do what you think everyone thinks you should do. Mm -hmm. Do what's in your heart and soul. And people are going to feel that when they come in and they eat, you know? And like I said, we have lots of bad nights here, but most nights people love this food and they want to come back and they want to tell their friends and like, nothing makes me prouder. You know, it's not like, it's like, Hey, that's my work. It's this team. I mean, like we all know that a coach is nothing, right? A coach is just a guy that's not fucking playing. But at the same time, you need one of those in order to lead those great players to like a championship. And that's kind of what I feel my role is here. You know, I create the menus. Um, It's not a great spot to work if you're a creative type, like super creative, because I know those people. It was me. I didn't want to work in anyone else's kitchen. I will say this. If you need someone to open a bag of Top Ramen and put it into boiling water, (laughs) I'm your dude. All right, dude. dude. I'm just saying. And you know what? I I won't even (laughs) lie to you right now. I crush. There is a, a certain brand that my sous chef right now, Taylor... Uh, got me and it's a boil one which I like because I also love this one black uh, microwave one Mm -hmm. it's like fire it's spicy and it's good and I'm like damn this is really good for microwave freaking noodles you, you might know? need to text me that then. yeah I'm gonna text you and then Taylor brings in this like one that you boil and it's super simple it's just noodles and two sauces 
and it was incredible. You need to get that one, but I guess they sell out like all the time, my, so you don't, you can't get it. My fiance got me on this stuff that uh, at Costco. It's like this like prepackaged pho. Oh yeah, it doesn't suck. Yeah, like, I mean, you think like prepackaged anything is gonna suck, <laughs> and it probably does suck, but. Well, you know, when you're doing an interview and you literally are talking and then you have to stop and say, I forgot what we were talking about. That's what makes you hungry for almost any kind of noodles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't subtle at all. Mm -mm. But that's I, cool. I've been known for being very subtle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's, uh, I got a kind of a, a loaded question. Uh, maybe it's not loaded, but obviously the entire conversation we're having today is about food and how amazing food is what is the most incredible story that you could possibly tell us that somehow involves food Whew. all right i don't want people to turn this interview off so i'll try to do the shortest version of this possible <laughs> but uh in san sebastian uh, i went to a, a restaurant called Acalare. and uh, it's out on a peninsula it's kind of a ways out a little country road and cool. you're up very high above the ocean, but the ocean's right there. So setting. Yeah. Already amazing. It's important. Yeah. Um, so I go in as a solo diner, um, and, uh, I did the tasting menu, the original tasting menu. We had three available at the time and I did the wine pairing. They have a master sommelier on staff. Um, first thing I, I walk out in my suit and I'm walking past these like little homes there's no like buildings it's like little tiny homes every home has a garden every home has a couple of cows and a sheep or whatever else and uh these people are looking at me like who the fuck is this white guy like walking down the street in a suit you know and i walk like two and a half miles to akalari and when i get there i sit down uh they present the water list and i laughed my ass off i'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me dude like waters and uh, the song was super cool. And he's like, yeah, there's a huge difference. And he poured me a bunch of waters. And my mind was blown as I was like trying these waters and they were so different. And it really made me, you know, there's a couple times that food has made me feel so humble and stupid, you know, like I don't know anything. And from the first plate on, I giggled a couple times. I could tell you every single dish that I ate. That was now six and a half, seven years ago. And I could still tell you every dish that I ate, every detail. It was that good. The wine pairings blew me away. Like he brought me, you know, a sherry and I'm thinking like, what is he doing bringing me a sherry, you know? And then this right? truffle carpaccio mm -hmm. hamon comes out and I take one bite and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> the food was so good. And, um, the meal was just incredible. The service was incredible. I spilled a little bit of wine and they did the whole like, like cover it up in like 10 seconds. Yeah. And I was just like, what the hell? So on my way back, it's dark and I'm walking that same road way above the ocean and it's very cloudy. And all of a sudden lightning starts popping off over the ocean and, uh, the whole sky worth of clouds is like lighting up purple and it's not misting. It's just like a little bit of like, you know, sea breeze in the air. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know if I've ever felt more alive. I can, I, I, this once again, sounds like a terrible movie, but I totally started crying. Like it was such a beautiful, amazing feeling. And the wind is like smashing me and the, the sky is like lighting up with purple. And after that meal and after that experience, um, I came home like on fire. I wanted to create that for somebody one day, you know, like yeah. that feeling. So that is my, my most fond food memory. 
Excellent, man. Experiences lead to so many different like memories that just stick with you forever. I mean, I stories like that about different trips I took to Burning Man and stuff like that. Yeah, just lasting things that happen changes your life, right? Absolutely. Like you say that, and uh, I had a day like not too long ago, within a year, um, that I hit rock bottom personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was the worst I've ever been, the most disgusting human, um, just broken all the way. And I had a day that changed my life. And when I said that to people, because I'm very open, I'll tell you everything, you know, like just ask and I'll tell you the, the honest truth. And uh, after that day, like it definitely changed me up. I was like, this is a life altering day. I've had three kids now. Um, you know, I've been married. Uh, I've done cool things in my life. I've, you know, played big shows and done this and that. So there's been a lot of things that have changed my life. And you know what it feels like when it does. Like you have a son. Yep. So you know that feeling. You know, you can't deny that that changed your life that yeah. day. You know? Absolutely. Shout out to uh, your wife and kids. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Jessica, uh, Weston, Walker, and Emily. Um, I got three of them. They're amazing. My wife and I have been together for 17 years living together. Uh, 10 years together living and then seven, eight years now married. And uh, man, I am so lucky that I found someone that loves me even though I am who I am. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty incredible and we're stronger now than we've ever been and I could not have done Localis without her. Yeah, I'm the same with, uh, with Jasmine and Miles. Uh, always looking out for my best interest no matter how annoying I am with dad jokes. Oh yeah, you know, it's gonna yeah. happen. I keep you know? them coming. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Uh, I was reading on your website too that uh, Localis obviously is entrenched in the the community here, but it, I was reading about charitable causes that that you take part in. Uh, I think that's super noble. So I mean, if you could just kind of tell us about you know how people support you, how that supports the community too. Oh yeah, I um I try a hundred percent to be one hundred percent inclusive, and there's a lot of catchphrases and a lot of like things that people you know, in our current state, uh, current state, uh, say, you know, to try to win people over. So it's, it's hard not to want to say those things, but understand that it doesn't really mean anything, but, uh, inclusive, you know, just wanting everyone to feel welcome all the time. Like, I don't care who you are, where you come from. I I don't care at all. Mm -hmm. If you're a good human being, then you're a good human being. I don't think there's any denying that. Um, so I'm losing it again. Charitable causes. Charitable causes, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, I work with a lot of, uh, I do believe that there's a lot of, you know, racism and a lot of, you know, bigotry and terrible things that happen. So I try to help groups that deal with that because I never had to deal with that. And I can, I understand that that's something I like to communicate and talk with people that have because it's very inspiration, inspirational for me to hear, you know, like mm-hmm. just recently I, I have a, an Asian uh, fish guy that drops my stuff off, Dell. He's a, he's a chef in town. He's been a chef for a long time and then got out of the business and he was telling me how someone said hero to him and it like he wanted to fight the guy and you know I have an Asian girl that works for me you know and she thinks it's funny as hell so it's like one of those things where I was like why why is he bitching you know come on dude what's the big deal like and then he told me about why he moved here from Korea and he was eating stinky weird food and kids made fun of him Mm -hmm. and it settled into me that I had no grasp on that reality and I you know that doesn't make me a racist person it just makes me like uneducated on that and through communication what can be very weird when you're talking about stuff like that you can actually understand and like appreciate and it changes you you're like damn I didn't think of that like I'm going to be so much more careful about that because while this guy thinks it's funny as hell, you know, like it, 
crushes this guy's emotions. Like right. it's, it hurts him, and that's incredible. You know, Awkward like conversation to have, whew, but completely necessary. So necessary, right? Like you learn. You're like, oh shit! Like I wish employees did that here. You know, so many employees mm-hmm. quit here, leave, say that I'm the biggest asshole, and you know, f me, and I, I do all these terrible things. But really, I always just ask him, like, did you ever say any of this to me? Did you ever communicate the fact that you had a problem with me? That you had a problem with the way I talked or the things I said? Like, do you think that I wouldn't? obviously try you know if i think that you're a good worker and a mm-hmm. good person to do something that makes your life easier or better and uh, i think communication man we said it earlier before we started recording it's the number one goal in my life like real communication and it's going to hurt and it's going to feel great and it's going to burn and it's going to have all these different emotions attached to it but it's going to bring you grounded it's going to bring you real and you, when you can have a real conversation i think that's like Next level shit. 100%. I think uh, we're accomplishing that right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so I guess the, the last question I want to ask you before we do our introduction to our, our DJ of the, the episode, if you could give one tip to the average Joe uh, wannabe home chef that is going out for master chef, what would that tip be? Taste your fucking food. God, it's just crazy. <laughs> Taste it. When something comes back at Localis and I go back there and I know it's not right because I taste everything that comes back from a complaint. Mm-hmm. If, if it's wrong, I come out on that line like furious. What the fuck, man? Like we know that our food is good because we taste it. We know that it's good. If he doesn't like our food or she doesn't like our food, that's fine. But they can't say it's bad. You know, it's just not their style. Mm-hmm. You watch people do it all the time. How many times have you been to a dinner where someone was cooking in someone's home, you know, regular old dinner? Did they taste their food, everything before it went out? Or did they just like make the recipe, do what they did and put it out? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. taste it. You know, like you can fix a lot of shit not even knowing anything about cooking. It needs salt. Add salt to it. All of a sudden people are like, whoa, this is great. I, I added salt. So that's literally it. Taste your food. There's only one way to know that you didn't put the packet in the top ramen. Am I right? (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) Like when you bite into it and it's, you know, a fucking salt, but bread pudding, which has happened to me before. Like a guy made my entire bread pudding with salt instead of sugar. So, you know, three cups of salt is pretty gnarly to eat. You know, it's aggressive. Um, It's it's very aggressive. aggressive. Taste your food. Like what if that got served? You know, like, holy shit. That's it. That's the one. Right on. And I can appreciate that. So before we do this introduction, where can our people find you? So um, I'm trying to do a lot with my personal Instagram page. Uh, I want to get to the point where I found him. Yeah. I want to get to the point where people pay me to travel. I mean, that's my goal in life. I just want to travel as much as possible and I can't afford to travel a lot. So Mm -hmm. hopefully I can build up enough, you know, pizzazz and whatever those people want to, uh, to try to get traveling. What are those pages? That's uh, at Chef Chris Barnum. Um, and then uh, the Eat at Localis is uh, the, the one for Localis. Uh, Sacosta underscore Pinchos is uh, the new concept that just uh, came up. In our highlight reel, we have a, uh, uh, we did our first pop-up last Monday. And it went really, really well. Um, a lot of great feedback about it. Um, I always make sure that I run my food through people when I'm thinking about a concept like Sacosta. Because that menu is not changing. It's mm-hmm. not like Localis. It's stagnant. Uh, is most it of is. it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the, the seasonal items will change out, but for the most part, it's more so about local food. Um, cause there's a lot of stuff that's made locally. That's year round, you know, not everything is produce. There's other things that Sacramento produces that are fantastic. 
Um, so, good night, Emily. Great bartender, by the way, Emily. <laughs> She's awesome. Shout outs to Emily. Yep, shout outs to Emily. Makes good cocktails. Um, but uh, yeah, Sacosta is just going to be the uh, the opposite of what Localis is as far as that goes. You know, it's not ever changing. It's always the same. So you can say, hey, let's go to Sacosta and get these five things because we know they're going to be there and we know they're going to be very consistently done. Very cool. So, dude, thank you so much for taking time thank out you, of man. what is the busiest night I've ever seen <laughs> in a restaurant. Like, literally walked yeah. in and I was like, are we still good, man? Uh, but yeah, so thank you for taking time out of your schedule Absolutely. to do thank this. Absolutely, thank you, man. I really Super appreciate fun. it. Super fun. I appreciate it. Uh, I do want to invite everyone. We have a party coming up on the 16th. So if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, which is the 15th, the very next day, Disco Days at London is a day party. Uh, please come out, join us for that. Uh, in addition, we have Cornel Kovacs coming out March 1st at Flamingo House. Grab your tickets. That one is going to be one not to miss. Flamingo! Oh, snap. Giving the shout-outs. <laughs> so this month, we have uh, a, a local favorite. We've been you know, trying to really tap into the resources of the Sacramento community and the, the wealth of uh, you know, amazing DJs that we have here. And I would like to introduce everyone to Austin Fox. Here he is. Peace.
All right, super dope mix by Austin Fox. Thank you so much, dude, uh, for the submission. I know we've been talking back and forth quite some time to make that happen. So uh, much love to you, my dude. And again, thank you, Chris, for becoming one of my new friends. And uh, any last things you want to say? Um, Check out Dismal Lapse. That was my uh, death metal project. Uh, there's a there's a album out called Eon Fragmentations and it's on Amazon and you know Spotify and all those things. Uh, go check it out. I used to play death metal. Fucking, I do the drums and the vocals. Fuck, <laughs> fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I always like to have people see that and then they understand my personality. They're like, oh, okay. Now that good conversation, man. I'm I'm just happy you took time out of your day to to chat with us. And if you Super can, fun. everyone, and you like what you're hearing from the show. Please throw us a, a like and a follow. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Mixcloud, uh, Apple, iTunes, which seems to be our kind of uh, big hitter. So uh, much love, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.